We're looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, and last week uh, we, we looked at this part that Zenta has just read for us, uh, but we're zooming in, we're narrowing in on part of that sixth day uh, this afternoon. And since Jen and I are sharing photos this afternoon, there's a photo coming up on the screen. Um, I just want to show you, that's Fred, our two-year-old, with his lawnmower. Uh, and here's another photo. That's Fred and I with our lawnmowers. And, and you'll probably notice that my lines are a little bit straighter than Fred's, uh, at least at this point. Uh, lately, Fred has been insisting that he take his lawnmower absolutely everywhere that he goes. Uh, and you can imagine how convenient that is uh, for us. School drop-off and the pick-up and the shops and all sorts of other places. Some kids like to take a teddy to bed with them, uh, and Fred does that. But he also likes, at the moment, to take a lawnmower uh, to bed. And while Fred might have more of his mum's uh, beautiful looks, you could certainly say that he's more so the spitting image of Jen than of me. Here's a photo uh, of a two-year-old coming up on the screen. Uh, that's Jen. Uh, and when Fred looks at that, he says, Fred. Uh, well, Fred's more so a, a spitting image of Jen. Uh, he does love the lawnmower like his dad, which I think is a wonderful thing. Uh, who, who are we uh, as humans uh, getting around with our lawnmowers? Uh, and all of our different things. Uh, are we just like the animals, only more intelligent? Uh, why do we all live as though us as individuals actually matter? Uh, why is it we want significance and purpose in life? Well, as we look at that passage that Zenta just read to us, Genesis 1, 26 to 31, we see that humanity is actually the climax of God's good creation. Uh, you and I might marvel at that the sun, moon and the stars, and some people even worship uh, those things. Bob is distracted by them, reflecting on his fishing. But the climax of the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 is you, is me, is humanity. We're not just smarter than the animals. Uh, and our significance, humanity's significance, whether we believe in the God of the Bible or not, uh, is entirely related to him. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 31, it, it really simply says, we, you, have been made in God's image, created in his likeness. But what does that look like? And what does it say about God that he creates humans in his image? They're kind of the two questions that we'll deal with. But you may have noticed as Zenta was reading that it begins with the creation account slowing down, going on pause even. God's work of creation pauses as you notice he speaks to someone other than the creation itself. Look at verse 26. We read, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Who is us in verse 26? Is it like you describe yourself as we but really mean me, the royal we? 
Is it a subtle reference uh, to, to the Bible's sort of uh, teaching uh, as God as Trinity? That God is one, but he consists of uh, a community, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or is us here reference to the, the heavenly beings, uh, like the angels who aren't a part of God's creation in Genesis chapter 1, though are created by him? Who's the us? Well, the writer of Genesis probably has the other heavenly beings on view because it's not until Jesus comes that God as Trinity is fully made known. But just like we did last week, if you were here last week with verse 2, the spirit hovering over the waters, we look back and we read Genesis chapter 1 through the lens of the New Testament, through the lens of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which reveals God as Trinity. God is one, as well as a community of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. That might seem like a bit of an aside, but it's not. God creates human beings in his image. What does that mean? Well, look at verse 26 again. Then God said, let them make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? So that they may rule. Uh, in ancient culture, kings let people know that they are in charge. You remember from last week, by naming things, whoever names is boss. But also, they used to show people who was in charge by just making statues of themselves. So even if a king didn't physically live in this place or that place, his image in the form of a statue made it clear this is his land and he is in charge. And so the man and the woman here in the Genesis 1 account, they're like those statues showing that God is in charge, except obviously they're not just lifeless stone representations of the ruler, but living beings exercising God's rule on God's behalf. So being made in God's image, it means that you and I have been put in charge of God's world. We're made to rule under God and over creation. But you don't have to argue that point with a toddler, do you? We know we're here to rule. Being made in God's image, though, it also means that we're created for relationship. When God creates human beings in his image, verse 27, you see, it says, male and female, he created them. Humankind is not just an individual. Humankind is not just male or female, but a community of persons. Just as God is a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, relating to himself within the Godhead, relating to us, so we have been made for relationship. And so that means I am not myself by myself because to be human means to love others. That's a challenging thought in our individualistic culture. It's why we all long for love and friendship. We're built for it. God created us 
for it. Even the most extreme introvert is created that way. That's why lockdowns are hard. That's why solitary confinement is painful. That's why it can be really unhealthy to withdraw from a community. You cannot be fully human on your own. We need friendships, community, relationships. Just as God is relational within the Godhead as well as towards us, so we, his image bearers, are relational. Uh, Being made in God's image also means humans create new life and we work. You see, straight after verse 27 says God created human, male and female. We read verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Like God, humanity has been given the capacity to create create new life by having kids. And that's that instruction, isn't it? Be fruitful and increase in number. It's not why we had four kids, by the way. That was an accident. Yeah, 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 you know. And just like God, humans, we're also given the godlike capacity to work and create culture, to explore and build, to toil and think, to fill the earth and subdue it. You and I work, not because we have to, but we've been created to work. And your work, whatever it is, whether you're paid or unpaid, it's how you contribute to the ongoing work of God's creation. I don't know if you've thought about this very much before, but it means your work actually matters to God, whatever it is, even if you're not a huge fan. I don't know, have you heard the story that someone's visiting a building site and it was the the building of a cathedral, a a grand uh, church building. And and this visitor spoke to three stonemasons. And the visitor asked the first stonemason, what are you doing? And you sort of picture the stonemason looking, I'm cutting a stone. You know, what what do you think I'm doing? And the second stonemason interrupts and says, well, I'm making a living. He goes, the visitor goes to the third stonemason. How about you? What, what are you doing? He asked. Me? Well, I'm building a cathedral for God and his people. It's a more motivating perspective on the job, isn't it? And that's how God views your work. Whether you're sweeping floors and changing nappies and doing dishes, or fixing people's hearts, marking exams late at night, building computer programs, uh, toiling with the soil as a farmer, or or some other thing. And Martin Luther, uh, the the famous reformer, back in the 1500s, he, he said, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as the monk who prays. Not because she's singing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. Now, I don't know that God cares so much about the cleanliness of our floor at home, 
But you get the idea, I hope, just because we tend to hold one job up against another as more significant, it doesn't mean that God views things that way. The cleaner is equally at work for God, just as the preacher, the CEO, the counsellor or whatever else. Now, there's at least two really significant things that come from this humanity being created in the image of God. And one is, every person is of equal worth. No matter what age, what sex, what abilities, what race, what religious belief, what marital status or sexual orientation, all people have been made in the image of God and it means all people, all human life is sacred. From the unborn baby to the elderly person losing their faculties. Our value is in not what we do, but in who we are. And you may know humanity being created in the image of God is actually the basis for our culture's values of human equality. Equal access to to justice, even our anti-discrimination laws. Our Western culture has been shaped so much by the Bible's view of humanity. And I reckon this is really helpful to hear if you're feeling down on yourself. I'm of no value. I'm not contributing. Or if you're someone who looks down on others as though they're inferior. We had a youth leader back in Canberra years ago um, while I was living there uh, who every now and again, she, she'd take the teenage girls aside and give them a, a talking to on body image. Uh, her view was that every teenage girl struggles with body image um, and, and I reckon that's every teenager and many others as well. She would simply remind the girls, you're God's image bearers created in God's image and he does not make mistakes. There's obviously a whole lot more to say on that, but being God's image bearers means that everyone is of equal worth, even the most ordinary, and that includes you. Another thing that comes from humans being made in God's image We've been given enormous power by God over his creation. Made to rule. Made to create new life. Made to fill and subdue the earth. So we shouldn't be surprised about the power of humanity, the amazing things that we can do. Yeah, look, the, the development of technology is remarkable. Architecture, education, scientific discovery. It is amazing what humans can do. It makes sense that Genesis chapter 1 presents humanity as the climax of God's creation. Hey, there's more words used uh, in the creation account uh, for the creation of humans than anything else. God also speaks, you notice, directly to the man and woman in verse 28 and 29. Uh, Creating man and woman, it's it's the final act of creation as though God is saving the best till last. And it's why in verse 31, God doesn't just say, 
and God saw it was good, as he does at the end of verses, days one to five, but we read, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Man and woman, humanity is the climax of God's creation and that includes you. Do you reckon this says something about the God who made us, though? That he creates humans in his image? We know from the rest of Genesis 1, God God is powerful, God is relational, he, he rules. But just this little bit, God creates humans in his own image also to rule, also relational. God shares power. With his image bearers. It says something about who God is, what he's like. I don't know if you've noticed this. I keep coming across it. Sometimes people view the God of the Bible as a controlling tyrant. Often that is because of an experience they've had in, in their life or they haven't read the Bible very much. Even though he is the all-powerful, eternal creator and ruler of the world, he's not on some weird power trip. He doesn't have to be. In fact, you notice he's the complete opposite. God delegates. God gives real responsibility to his image bearers. Do you find that to be amazing? And something of a risk? Entrusting creation to us? It'd be like me sending Fred off with the real lawnmower, maybe. We might wreck it. Or the power might go to our heads and we want to kick God out and do it our way. But from the very beginning, God shows himself not as a controlling tyrant, but as someone who delegates power who shares power, giving humanity the privilege of partnering him in his creating work. See, from the very beginning, God uses his power to love. It's a wonderful model of leadership, isn't it? It also just happens to be the Christian message. God's power to love It's most clearly seen in the person and work of Jesus. King Jesus, all-powerful, leaving the glory of heaven, becoming man, to serve others, to be rejected and to die the death we deserve. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says God gives up his power to love you. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says God embraces weakness to save you. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says God loses his life to win yours. And it is all because I have misused my God-given position in this world to ruin what was good. And you and I, we've used our God-given position in this world. Well, it's just gone to our heads. And we've chosen to be God instead of taking his lead. So humanity really is the climax of God's good creation. 
It's why we matter, each one of us. It's why your neighbour matters. It's why your enemy matters. It's why those unborn children matter. It's why those elderly people who can no longer contribute to society matter. It's why reaching people with the good news of Jesus really matters. It's the answer to our significance and our purpose. We're made like God to rule, for relationship, to multiply, to work, to explore, to cultivate, to create. So I reckon all I want to say to you this afternoon is don't leave here thinking you don't matter. And don't go leaving here thinking someone else doesn't matter either. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the way we see humanity painted as the climax of your grand creation. Lord, we thank you that you made us like you to rule, to cultivate, to create, to explore, to build, to toil. Lord, we're sorry for misusing our God-given position. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've hurt others, for the ways we've wrecked your grand creation. And forgive us too for the ways that we've also said, actually, God, we're going to be God. Lord, we thank you for Jesus We thank you for the one man who did live as humanity should have. And we thank you that not only did he do that, but he died in our place, taking on the sin that we deserve. And we thank you, Lord, here that you show us what kind of a God that you are like. Uh, Not uh, an angry tyrant. Uh, not someone on a, a power trip, but a mighty God who includes and delegates and loves and serves. A God who made us to relate and enjoy you. Lord, we pray that you would help us think more on what it means to be your image bearers. As we think lowly of ourselves, And also as we look at our neighbour and are tempted to overlook them, help us, Lord, remember that they were made in your image for your glory. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us love them and point them to King Jesus too. We pray all these things in our King Jesus' name. Amen.